Somebody's excited, but somebody's not. Some of you guys aren't awake. First service, I never know. Sometimes y'all are ready to bring the energy, and sometimes I got to wake y'all up. So I'm still, we're still on the fence. The jury's still out. Are y'all ready for church? There we go. Come on, man. Just elbow your neighbor. Wake them up. Let's get ready to go. I'm excited to be here today. It's, it's a blessing to be right in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. As much of a struggle and as much as like it's an invited hardship, but that invited hardship pays off in the end. It's an investment in our spiritual walk. It's an investment in our faith. It's an investment in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages. Come on, somebody. This is a, this is a season where we can make a huge difference. I think I would be willing to say there's almost no, no other single thing that you can do that will affect so much of the rest of your life in such a powerful way. Where we press into prayer, where we press into fasting, where we press into the Word of God, the things of God, the Spirit of God. Amen? All right. I hope y'all are not expecting to just have a quick uh, cheer and then just get to it, Pastor. This is it. I'm telling y'all. You're waiting for something better. This is it. Guys, we're at church. We're in the presence of God. We're with God's people. What more could we possibly want? We have, we have God's people connecting online as well. We love you guys. We appreciate you being connected. As always, it means the world to us that you uh, took the time to click and that you chose to be a part of this service. And there are so many great uh, speakers, pastors, messages Uh, church services that you can be a part of, but I love that this is a community that is open to not just having new members, but to loving each other and spending time getting to know each other. Like, if you're going to go to church and not connect to the body, what's the point, right? You, You can watch church online. You can sing songs in your car by yourself, but the reason that we get together is so we can see each other face-to-face, we can walk through life together, and small groups are about to get kicked off in just a few weeks, guys. Come on, February's coming. Somebody say February's coming. So for those of you who feel like you've been wandering around in the dark by yourself for a little while, when do I have permission to go to somebody else's house? That's what somebody is waiting. So guys, listen, this, uh, we're going to get to this board in just a second, and um, I'm going to tell you what that's all about. But I want to tell you that the beginning of the year, why do we do 21 days of prayer at the beginning of the year? It's a simple answer, but maybe you've never thought about it. Um, we do it at the beginning of the year because it's a natural break. It's a natural, um, a great place for us to, to start fresh with God. And a lot of times we use the beginning of the year to, to have a fresh start in our health, fresh start in relationships. Maybe we want to have a, some new, year, new Year's resolutions, but this is our time to put God first, to put prayer first, to put all those spiritual things that are so important first, and then all the other things will be added to us. Last week, in this series, Faithful, which is really us just getting back to the basics of faith and looking at what faith means to us. Last week, we looked at kind of the difference between um, what we think believing is or what believing is taught to be. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And sometimes we think that believing is, uh, well, I know God's real. I, I, know he, I, I know he's 
God in heaven, he loves me. I believe, I believe Jesus died on the cross. But there's a difference between believing in God, where we complete belief. Oh, some of y'all, by the end of this series, you're going to get it because your faith is going to start to grow and you're going to start walking for God like you never have before. There's a difference between saying, okay, God, I trust you and actually putting your trust in him. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between trusting God and actually putting trust in him. That sounds the same, right? That's the confusion. That's where we get stuck. So I'm going to give you a quick illustration. Where's Kylan? I need your help, Kylan. I told you I just needed your help for a minute, but I lied. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put this old beat-up board that I found in the back of the garage. Hop up here. Just grab one side of this board. And we're going to set it on the chairs here. Yep. Okay. Looks like a strong board. Thank you. That's all I needed. Hopefully. If I get hurt, it's your fault. But in a second, we're going to see if this is a actually, actually a strong board. Because <laughs> it looks like I'm not sure yet. Um, but if, if I ask myself, that board looks thick enough to hold me. These chairs, I'm not sure because they're folding chairs. It's hard to tell, right? But let's say, actually, on the bottom of this chair, it says it's rated to hold 1,000 pounds. So, okay, in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, that'll hold, two, that'll hold at least 1,000 pounds. But that board, I'm not sure. Actually, if you look at it, it's got a crack in it. The crack kind of goes all the way down. So if I feel like, hey, I think I'm supposed to walk across this board. In fact, as I imagined this message this week, I thought, how can I build a bridge on the stage? Because that's really what I want you to imagine. That I've built a bridge here, and the question is, do I trust this bridge to hold me if I need to get across? So on paper, sure, the board is maybe two and a quarter inches by six or so, seven inches. It's an old cut, reclaimed board, so who knows how old it is. Uh, but I think it's strong enough. It's got a 1,000 pounds on each chair. So just on paper, this looks like it would hold me. So I'm going to say I trust it. I trust it. How many of you guys trust it will hold me? Come on, somebody, can y'all trust that? Hey, let's try it one more time. How many of you guys trust this will hold me? Just like that, we got trust. Y'all went from no trust to full trust, and we didn't even do anything. That's a perfect example of what we do in church. How many of you guys love Jesus? You believe in God? You trust him. Woo! But did we actually put our trust in the thing? No, we just said we trusted it. So if I say Sure, I trust this. And then I spend the next 30 minutes telling you how this will hold me. I have never, I still haven't put my trust in the board yet. There's a difference between saying I trust it and trusting it, knowing like I have a knowledge of trust. Somehow I'm connecting and yet I still have not actually put my trust in the board. Because how do I do that? There's only one way to actually put my trust in this bridge. There's only, one, there's only one way. And so I would use this as an illustration for your walk with God and your walk of faith. You say you trust God. You say you believe in God. You say that you're trusting in whatever thing you need God to show up in, and yet you never actually walk across it. 
You never actually put your foot on it. And so you've never actually put your trust in God. You've just said, I trust God. So there's a difference between saying a prayer, making a commitment. You've made a dedication. Your heart feels right. Your head feels right. Everything feels right. And yet you've never actually put your foot on the board. Why does God want us to trust in him? Why does that even matter? Because trust is the currency of relationships. Trust is the currency of relationships. That's what shows I actually have a trusting, working, believing, full of faith relationship with God. So if you go to church for years and years and years and decades and all of your whole life, and yet you never put your foot on the bridge. And why does it matter? Because God is most honored when we're living a life of active faith. We can't actually please God without actually using our faith. And when I say using, we talked about this last week, doing, stepping, acting in faith. Because faith without works is some of y'all were here last week. <laughs> Some of y'all are getting it. You're, 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 you're starting to catch up to where the message is taking us and where God wants us to be. So I want you to see this, that when I actually step out, whenever I actually put my feet to, to walking, whenever I put my hands to work, when I put my mouth to work for God and what I'm doing lines up with what I know and what I believe and what I think, when what we know about God intersects with what we do for God, then our faith grows. Say it again. When what we know about God intersects with what we do for God, our faith grows. <clears throat> and this series is about how do I fill my, how do I refuel my faith? So what are the things that we do? How do we get to that place where the beginning of this year, 21 days of prayer is not just about, hey, I'm going to pray a little, worship a little, read the word a little, and then hopefully the rest of my year is better. No, we're pressing in so that we can align our, the knowledge of God, what we know about God, and what we're doing for God, and then our faith starts to grow. It's like a muscle. It's like if I don't exercise it, it doesn't grow. And if I, it doesn't matter how much I know about this board, it doesn't know how, no matter how fancy I make this bridge, this is simple, but I can make it fancy. I could spend some years building it and painting it and making it more secure, but until I actually step on it, uh-oh, everybody's holding their breath. I actually know a pastor friend who broke his leg on stage doing a stunt. Now it feels even more dangerous, right? Until I trust this board, then I'm not putting my trust in it. But look, it's holding me. I can even bounce a little. But now I'm standing on the bridge. Now, now I have actually physically, personally put my trust in the bridge. And this is like faith. Once we're standing in a place where we've done something for God, now I've personally experienced this bridge. I'm not telling you about what it could be like or what it might be like or that it definitely will hold me. Now you've seen it work. And when I actually put my feet to walk in God, and when I actually do something by faith, then I walk through it, and then I'm, I, I have this experience that's, uh, that aligns with what I know about God, and now my faith is growing. I can do this. What else can I do? If God's faithfulness shows up whenever we step out, then our faith grows. He's faithful, and it, <laughs> as we walk into his faithfulness, our faith grows becomes full, and we grow in our faith. This week, as I was making this message, I, I, I thought of the title, 
You might not get it right away, but I'm going to show you why. It's the name of the, the title of this message. If you have your notes, it's right there at the top. This time, it's personal. The first thing that came to my mind whenever I wrote that down was, I grew up in the 80s and in the 90s watching action films and watching all the great Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like big machine guns and going to save the day and all of the, all of the um, part two, part three, part four. This time it's personal. <laughs> Wesley Snipes and Nicolas Cage and somebody with their shirt ripped off and y'all, y'all catching the vision? You got it. Well, I, I went and tried to look, where did that line come from? This time, it's personal. And I found out it actually is from a movie, but it's from a really bad movie. Jaws 4. The Revenge. And as I, I've never actually, I've seen Jaws 1 and 2, but not part 4, because part 4 is actually the widow of the original captain. The shark actually finds this, per, this woman and follows her down to the Bahamas Kills her whole family. Y'all, this is crazy. And then she goes on a revenge hunt to hire a new captain to go kill the, kill the shark that's like 25 feet long. Okay, so it's a crazy, crazy story. But the tagline on the movie poster is this time, it's personal. And if that wasn't bad enough, in Back to the Future Part 2, <laughs> when they go to the future... At the movieplex, there's Jaws 19. This time, it's really, really personal. So that makes this, this uh, sermon title all the better for me because we have to make it personal. There has to be a moment where we've walked by faith and we feel like, I've done this before. I've fasted before. I've, I know this scripture. I know the Bible. I've gone to church. I've been a part of small groups. I've served. I've done all these things. But unless we made it personal and actually had the experience where we put our foot out and did something and not just go, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about because you went to church 52 times in a year. Church is about celebration, inspiration. It's about salvation and coming to know God. But until you actually do something for God, walk through something with God and trust him, all we're doing is saying, yeah, I trust that bridge. But until we walk across it. So today we're going to read a few passages and I want us to look. Actually, it's, I think in this, in, really it's one passage, four chapters, um, but four different books that all tell the same story. So parallel passages in the, in the Gospels. I want us to look at three different bridges that I, of faith that I think all of us have to cross. And as we read through these passages, I want you to not look. It's very easy to, to, to get caught on the miracle, the thing that God does, because that's where we get excited. Yes, God, God, can, God can carry us. God can hold us. He's able That's where the miracles remind us. He's able. He's going to show up. He's faithful. But we so often miss my part. So as we read these passages, as we go through these three bridges of faith, I want you to focus on the disciples' part. What does God expect the disciples? What does Jesus expect the disciples to do? And, And out of that, what does God expect you and me to do? How do we get on the bridge and walk? So Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6 are all parallel chapters. They all tell the same story, the same, really three stories. I think John leaves out one. uh, But all of them are telling the same uh, 
time frame and what they give us, I want us to start with this one idea, or really start at the end of the chapter, end of the passage. And I want us to look at the first bridge of faith that I think God wants. No, I don't care who you are, where you are in faith, how long you've been saved. If you are a living, breathing person, this is something that you have to cross by faith because it's going to show up in your life. It's going to show up in your faith. The first thing, you can write this down, is uncomfortable situations. What? Okay, so if when, when a bridge or a hard situation or uh, a miracle is presented in front of us, a need, if you will, like God says, hey, I'm going to show up. We, we require God to show up. Why don't we jump at the opportunity? When a serve opportunity shows up, or when we see a need that needs to be filled, why don't we jump at the opportunity to do it? Because it's uncomfortable. Because it feels impossible. Because it's hard. Because it's scary. Because we're too busy. Because of all these things. But ultimately, it's because we're uncomfortable doing it. Because if we were comfortable, if it was just that easy, all of us would be walking by faith all the time. And walking by faith is its a term that's way overused. Because when we get uncomfortable, we call that walking by faith. But until you actually get on the bridge, you're not walking by faith. You're just waiting on God to show up, and you're still on this side of the bridge. So first thing, really quick, God always puts people in uncomfortable situations. If you're serving God, if you're following God, you're going into uncomfortable situations. The proof is in the Old Testament and the New, but the Old Testament, Noah, he said, hey, build a boat. Well, hold on, God. It's never rained before. Nobody else is building a boat, and he was ridiculed for it. Abraham, he said, leave your father's house. I want you to be uncomfortable. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. Just go. I'll show you when you get there. How about Daniel? He put him in a lion's den. God, could you just do this without the lions? Moses, you finally escaped from Egypt, but I need you to go back and go talk to Pharaoh. What did Moses say? Mm, God, uh, you're putting me in an uncomfortable situation here. I don't, uh, that's what I feel like we want to tell God so often. God, I hate to tell you this, but you, you're really putting me in an uncomfortable situation here. You're putting me out. You've inconvenienced me, God, because this is hard, because I'm scared for my life. He put David, he anointed the prophet anointed David king, and there still was a king. Uh, God, I know you want to use me, but you really put me in an uncomfortable situation here. This is dangerous for my life. Jesus always put the disciples in uncomfortable. If you read through, the, any, all, read through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus constantly puts the disciples into uncomfortable situations. Puts them in positions that they don't want to be, and Jesus always put the disciples in uncomfortable situations. In situations where I think that any one of them could have said, Jesus, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're a miracle worker. Can't you do something that, that does, that's not as painful? Can't you do something that's not going to be so awkward? This is, not, this is not ideal, Jesus. To where any one of them all the time, I'm sure they felt like, man, I'm in over my head here. I don't have a clue what I'm doing, Jesus. The first thing he tells them is, hey, you're fishermen. Just leave your nets here. Let's go. I'm going to make you fishers of men. What? uncomfortable. 
And at one point, Jesus sits down on the ground and starts to wash their feet. They say, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be doing this. You're making me uncomfortable, Jesus. And then when he finally calls them out and says, hey, I want you to do what I've been doing. Now I want you to go out. Just go to different cities. Don't take any supplies with you. No, don't even take a coat. Just go. Just start walking. Uh, shouldn't we prepare a little? Nope, just go. And then he tells the disciples, go get me a donkey. Just walk into the city. You'll find a donkey and just take it. Their first question is, what if they ask who wants it? And then, just like Moses, Moses said, what if, they, what if they say who sent me? I am sent me. Jesus says, the master. Just tell them the master has need of it. Over and over and over and over. We see Jesus put the disciples in. And so in these uncomfortable situations, we think God, God would do any less for us. Well, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to follow you, but I do not want to cross that bridge. I'm just not sure about that bridge. Can I tell you that the bridge is necessary? And that bridge is, un is uncomfortable situations. You're going to have to walk across it. Let's look at Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. So, this is, this is a moment where Jesus had just done miracles. He's going to send the people home. And he says, disciples, I want you to go across, and I'm going to stay for a little while. You guys go across the lake to Bethsaida. It says, later that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. One of the passages, I think it's Matthew, tells us that it's about three miles off shore. He can see them out there struggling, but there's a storm. So Jesus sent them into a storm. They're struggling. He sees it. I think this is the moment. <laughs> this is the moment. Watch this. He saw that they were in serious trouble. Jesus is seeing that uh, the disciples are out there in that storm, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. So here comes another miracle. But I don't want us to focus on the miracle because we know the miracle. We get ahead of ourselves and we forget, what are, what's my part of this miracle? Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's going to step out of the boat. Peter's going to walk towards Jesus, start to sink. Jesus is going to grab him. And then this, it's all history. But what about when Jesus sends them into trouble? Hey, there's a storm coming. I want you guys to row out into the wind that way. He left them at, at, uh, at, at dusk. Sun's going down. He sends them across. So for maybe, it's 3 o'clock in the morning when he finally walks out to them. Maybe for the last four or five hours, six hours, they've been rowing. They're struggling. They're in trouble. And yet, if it's me and Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys row out into that storm out there? I'm saying, hey, Jesus, this is, a, this is not a good time. Let's wait a little while. Let the storm pass, and then we'll just cruise across the lake. <laughs> we all have better timing than God, right? <laughs> God, from this vantage point over here on my side of the beach, Jesus, from, come over here. Come look over here because I see a storm out there. I don't think that board's going to hold me. This, this bridge is, mm, but what happens when we actually step up on there? It's a struggle. It's uncomfortable. We're not ready for it, but when we actually embrace it and we start the walk of faith and start to take steps, he meets us there in the middle. Jesus walked out onto the water 
And then the miraculous showed up. Then the history changed. And we're still standing on the beach saying, mm, I don't think so. I've seen this kind of thing before, a three-hour tour. I know what happens when we row out there. I'm not doing it. So he puts us into situations that don't make sense that require that we step up onto the bridge and take a few steps. Because when we put our trust in him, he shows up. That's uncomfortable situations. Number two is something that a lot of us leave to other people. But even when we're willing to step into uncomfortable situations, we discount ourselves from this one. And number two is personal ministry. Can I tell you that if you are a follower of Jesus, this applies to you. There's not a group of ministers and then other people and then unbelievers. <laughs> There's, there are people who are unbelievers, and then there are followers of Jesus who are ministers. People who are called to the ministry of reconciliation, the, the, the job of going, therefore, into all the world, to being a witness. And that requires that we follow God into personal ministry and put one foot in front of the other and walk across the bridge. And some of us are still standing on one side saying, no, nah, I'm not, nah, that, ah, that's too much. Some of us stand on one side and say, nah, I'm inadequate for that. That's what Moses said. That's what so many say. I'm not worthy of this. Even John said, I don't want to baptize you. I'm not worthy to baptize you. This is when you step out of your comfort zone to serve somebody, to put your life to the side and say, I'm going to make my life count to, to make a difference in someone else's life. I like when uh, Gwen came up. She did the announcements earlier. She was talking about uh, serving, and she was talking about uh, serving in her life and, and the kids' ministry. Getting to a place, I love hearing your stories. I love hearing where you have put your life into work for God's kingdom and God shows up in a way that you never expected that he would. That happened for me. That, that, that will happen for you the moment you actually put your foot out and start walking across the bridge. It might be serving a neighbor or a friend or someone who's homeless or stepping into a church group, a serve group. For me, at 16 years old, I'd gone to church my whole life. All, all my whole memory, I could remember going to church. But I, I remember at 16 years old, I was asked, hey, come play, play your trumpet in the church band. My first thought was, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. That's impossible. You guys are, you're not even, I don't even know how to read the music you guys are playing. It does, those things are not compatible. And then finally, they said, why don't you just come to practice? I said, well, I'll come to practice, but I, I might just end up standing there. So I brought my trumpet. I was in the high school uh, marching band. I brought my trumpet, and I stood there for a little while, and then I came to practice again and again. And finally, I learned enough to play on Sunday morning. They gave me a little part. And that was just the beginning because I began to really connect and really feel like, man, this is incredible. And I began, it, within a year or two, I was playing by ear. Within just a little while, was, we were adding other brass members to the band. And all of a sudden, this was a part of my life that I wouldn't let go of. But it's the first time that I can remember where I was so scared and so nervous and so inadequate and so, I don't think I could do this. 
And then I tried. And then I took just a tiny baby step. And God met me right there and said, you can do this. I put this in you. You were made for this. And it happens over and over. It's happened over and over and over in my life. And my challenge to you today is that you'll step out onto that bridge of faith and start walking. Because every one of us are standing at a point where there's a bridge in front of us and yours looks different than mine and different than the person next to you. And what personal ministry looks like to you is vastly different from, from every other person in this room, but you have a bridge to cross. And no one else can cross it but you, and you can talk about it, but until you do it, it's not done. But when you start following Jesus, what happens is, and every mature believer in this room who has actually done this can tell you that there's a moment where you start to feel a nudge, like, I, I think I'm supposed to do something. I think I... I <laughs> I'm scared to do it, but I, I think I have to go that way. I think I need to help the homeless people. I, I, I could tell several stories, but I remember when I got a phone call right before Christmas last year. Pastor Sean, I think we should do an outreach downtown in Houston. I'd like to be a part of it. If you could put it together. I said, nope, you're putting it together. I'll help you do it. And it was amazing. And there were tears, and every, every person who was a part of it said, I can't believe we've never done this before. This was incredible. It's that we don't want to, and it's, it's this feeling of anxiety keeps us from it. And maybe it's the finances. Maybe it's the time that it takes. Maybe it's the emotional bandwidth that it, we don't have to be able to step into this position or to step into this role, or we feel like it's too heavy or too big or we're unworthy or undeserving or inadequate, that I'm not enough to do this thing, but I think I'm supposed to. That is universal to all of us. If you look at every man, every woman in the Bible, we're not worthy. We're not we're not enough. We don't have the emotional bandwidth. We don't have enough. That's why we need God, and that's why he picks us and says, okay, let's go. We got a bridge to cross. We feel like we're so nervous. We're in over our head. What's that thing for you? It feels like, I want to do this. It's in my heart. I know that it's God, but I just feel unqualified. Maybe you have been wrestling with this. Maybe you've been feeling that nudge to step out and to serve or to be a part of something. Or you see something going on in the church or in the body of Christ or in the kingdom of God somewhere, and you think, man, I would so love to, like your heart yearns to do that. You just think that for some reason, mm, that's not me, though. I wish it was, but it's not. Can I tell you that so often the only thing keeping you from finding fulfillment and the thing that God has planted in your heart is that you just won't step out and do it. And maybe when you get there, it doesn't look like you think it will look, but you've never even given God a chance. Maybe it's stepping out to serve. Maybe it's giving a certain thing or a certain time, or maybe it goes beyond that to not just giving, but forgiving. Sometimes it's that the bridge of faith that we have to cross is allowing God to help us forgive someone and to release something to him, to hand it over. I talked in this earlier in the service to come up and let's pray and let's cast our cares on him and let's let him have that thing. And maybe that thing is the bridge that you have to cross. I can't put it down. I don't know how to put it down. It's impossible. It's so painful. You don't understand. I have to carry this. 
And yet God says that he's come to bind the brokenhearted, to heal the broken. He wants to heal us. He wants to help us. He wants for us to be able to let go and walk across. But it's going to cost you something, and you have to let go and stop resisting and say, okay, this is the, that, that's why 21 days of prayer. That's why a fresh start this year. So let's keep reading real quick. I want to show you something in, in personal ministry. Matthew uh, 14, 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, this is, he actually heard the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And that's a long, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy Jerry Springer almost story. That John the Baptist is beheaded. So in the middle of miracles, signs, wonders, teaching, and uh, preaching, and Jesus is in these chapters that, that I laid out before, the four chapters in the Gospels. Jesus, at the beginning, he tells the disciples, he chooses them and says, okay, now I'm going to empower you, and you're going to go do the things that I've done. In other words, here, here's a bridge. Now let's walk together. I've shown you. You know it's going to work. You know that I can give you the power. Now you have to do it. And John the Baptist is beheaded right at that pivotal moment. And you would think that the disciples could say, hey, our cause has taken a huge hit. Let's just take a little while. There's a storm out there. I don't want to be beheaded. I can't go out here. This is not, Jesus, you're putting us in an uncomfortable situation and asking us to do something that is so dangerous. So as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowds as he stepped from the boat and, as he, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now here's where personal ministry starts to happen. That evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So the disciples say, notice that Jesus sees the people, feels compassion for them, and then heals their sick. And when the disciples show up, oh, Jesus healing them, now they feel something and say, we got to feed, feed these people. I'm sure the disciples are hungry. It's time to eat. We need to eat. Everybody needs to eat. But watch what Jesus says. Jesus said, That's, that isn't necessary. You feed them. In other words, you, you've already seen what I can do. It's personal ministry time now. How often does that happen in life? Have you responded to that call? Because if you haven't, I promise you, it's already been, the call has already been given. He's already beckoned you into personal ministry, but so, so many of us say, no, Jesus, you got this one. You can do this without me. You don't, you don't need me. You got so-and-so. Actually, when we read this same passage that right, right here in Matthew, we see, when we read it in John, John tells us that Jesus did this to test them. Jesus already knew he was going to feed them. Jesus already knew what was going to happen, but he needed them to step onto the bridge. Jesus was already waiting for them. He already knew what he was going to do, but he needed them to step out. And I think the same for us, that so many of us, he's saying, I'm here, I'm waiting, I'm ready. You got to step onto the bridge. The bridge of faith that, that connects where you are and where I want you to be. The bridge of faith that connects your ability to know who God is and what he can do 
and for you to actually do it and then meet God in his faithfulness. And so what happens? We know that Andrew, they start looking around. I don't know if all the disciples are looking for food or if one disciple, Andrew, finds one boy who has two fish and five loaves. And what does he do? He, he, he finds this little lunch, and he brings it to Jesus. And Jesus says, feed these people. And Andrew, like all of us, looks up and says, uh, Jesus, I have a lunchbox. Most of us would say, I can't feed him. I only have a lunchbox. I only have one Long John Silver's meal. I only have one kid's meal. And so we never step onto the bridge. We're inadequate. We're unqualified. We're ill-prepared. And so we don't step out. And yet Jesus is waiting there thinking, he's got the kid's meal. Why isn't he stepping out? What's your kid's meal? What's the thing that you have that nobody else has that you think, all I have is a kid's meal? All I have is a kid's meal. Can I tell you that this is how huge problems of faith are solved? Can I tell you that this is how the kingdom of God advances and moves and God solves problems in the world? In your family, in your community, in this church, in this, in this city? That that's how God shows up when somebody finally takes, gets the nerve to say, okay, I have a kid's meal. All I have is a kid's meal, God. But then he, <laughs> you already know the story. That's why I don't want us to focus on the miracle. I want us to focus on what Jesus expected the disciples to do because he expected them to bring the kid's meal so he could do this. And all of you are still holding your kid's meal in the backpack saying, uh, when I have enough, I'll step out. When I have enough time, when I have enough emotional bandwidth, whenever I have a big enough kid's meal, then I'll do something. We want the miracle, but Jesus is saying, what, what do you have, though? What do you actually have, and why are you waiting? How do we find what, how do you know what your kid's meal is? How do you know? We watch Jesus have compassion on the people and heal them. We watch the disciples say, hey, we need to feed these people, but there's something inside of you. So ask yourself this question, what breaks my heart? What's the thing that, like, makes my compassion just, exp when I see this happening, it's like, man, my heart cries out. Maybe it's the lost. Maybe it's the next generation. Maybe it's when you see someone hurting or you see people who are hungry or homeless. The key is the same key for the that Jesus expected of the disciples. Just bring what you have. For some of you, that might mean joining the team today after service. Well, I don't have enough. I'm not qualified. I'm inadequate. I, pfft, what can I add to the team? Can I just say that if you have a kid's meal, it's enough. Maybe it's leading a small group, hosting a small group, Starbucks or at your house, just saying, I, do, I don't have much, but, but I, gotta, I have a kid's meal. And then meeting God on the bridge of faith and watching what he'll do to carry you across. And the thing about it is, when you get to the other side of that bridge, everything looks different. And then I, I can only imagine Andrew probably had a good puffed up chest after the guys. I, all of you guys were just walking around looking for food. I actually found some food. I stepped up when none of you would. I brought the kids meal. 
Imagine how everything changes. And, and, and imagine how our expectation of faith changes when we're thinking, all I needed was a kid's meal. That's all it took. We were so worried about nothing. And now we got 12 baskets full. He fed so many. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes. The fish, and he said, bring them here to me. Can I tell you today that God is beckoning? Bring what you have to me. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. He says, bring them here to me. Show me the next verse. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them, breaking the loaves into pieces. He gave the bread to the disciples, and then they distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets full. I'm going to invite the band to join me back on stage, and we're going to close with worship. But I, want to, I just want to challenge you. Every step of my walk of faith has felt, and it's been just like this, where I was so nervous, so inadequate. When I was called to being a pastor, I thought, I can't do this. I, this, this, this. I see other pastors, and what they have is all of this, and this is what I have. I have a kid's meal. And yet, whenever I show up to bring God my kid's meal, he says, hey, now you got 12 baskets full. I looked around at the world when our kids were born, and I thought, Angela and I both, we talked so much about how can we raise kids in this world? How can we raise godly kids? All we have is this. And God's enough. God shows up and makes it more. When we started this church, we thought, how can we start a church? I look at all the other churches, and all we have is this tiny little inadequate thing. A few weeks ago, I was talking to one of the couples in the church, and they were telling me this story about driving home in the rain one day. One evening, it's dark, and they look over and see a homeless person laying on the side of the road, and they decide, hey, let's pull over and see if we can help. And they pulled over and started talking to this homeless woman who's laying on the side of the road, covered up in a blanket, in the rain, in the dark. And they say, can we help you get somewhere out of this rain? And then they decide, well, we can take you around the corner and there's a place that we can get you to. And for the next two hours it takes them, she can't walk. And she says, I have a wheelchair. They, they, pick, they help her get into the wheelchair in the rain at night. And this guy decides to start pushing her in the rain to get her to a dry place. Down the street. In, like in the street, in the rain, in the dark. And he finds out that what's wrong? The wheelchair's not working. One of the wheels is broken. So for the next two hours, he's struggling with this wheelchair to get her to a dry place. She doesn't want to get in their car. She's afraid that she don't know who they are. They're strangers. I'm not getting a stranger's car, but you can push me. So he does for two hours. He said, while he's pushing, someone, uh, so they don't have to walk down. It's, I think, 1960, and the, getting on 249, the place they were taking her to, was on the freeway. So he had to get on. The, he didn't want to walk on the feeder, so he walked through the neighborhood. Someone passed them in the neighborhood, pulled over, and said, hey, can I help? It turns out that the lady who pulled over to help, not only, she said, you guys, I'm going to meet you at the place. I'll follow you with my blinkers on. But then when we get there, she said, I'm going to run home. She said, I have a, I have a new wheelchair in my garage. 
And I also run a charity that helps homeless people. So she sat down and did an interview with her right there. They all met. They got her connected, a place to stay, a new wheelchair. And how many of us, my, my mind was blown. How many of us would never have stopped because what can I do? I don't have a wheelchair. I don't know where to take this lady. I can't do anything to help her. But in, the, in that moment when the Holy Spirit said, hey, help, just, just stop. Just try to walk across the bridge. They did. And then God showed up and met them halfway across this bridge of faith. And then what, what an incredible miracle that was done. My hope for you in this message is that you will just step out and meet God. Whether that's joining the, the team today and getting into a place where you can make a difference with your life, joining together with other people to see what that looks like personal ministry maybe it's an uncomfortable situation that you need to present to God but here here I think wraps it all up in one statement I'll do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do forget about I'm not enough forget about I'm inadequate forget about I'm I only have a kid's meal I'll do what I can do and trust God to do what only he can do that's what walking by faith is. So can we make 2023 a year where we decide this is going to be a year of faith for me? I know that you probably have a, a word of the year, something that you're going to lean into this year. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's, maybe it's challenging. Maybe whatever that thing is, can I ask you to add faith to that list? Can I ask you to stand on the word and the promise of God that he'll meet us when we step out by faith? That when we walk by faith, we're not only pleasing God, but, but we're allowing God to show up and work in our lives and bring the miraculous. So whether it's personal ministry or whether it's those uncomfortable situations, what personal ministry does is it puts us in position to experience God's faithfulness. I want you to stand up on your feet and let's worship for a moment as you decide and dedicate this year and this week and this day to the moments that God has for us. Let's worship.
started that there were three bridges of faith that we all have to cross and that is not just uncomfortable situations and it's not just personal ministry but for all of us the very first bridge of faith that we cross is total surrender it's when we say my life belongs to you God and that's a hard step that's a that's a where our knowledge where I think God loves me I think he cares I believe you God but then you actually have to do it today I'd love for us to close and make a commitment and start the walk of faith that he wants for us to take where my life is in your hands God everything I have belongs to you we make him not just our Savior not just the one who rescued us but the one who leads us our King he make we, we make him not just our Savior and our rescuer our Redeemer but we make him our King so in closing in prayer today would you just bow your heads and close your eyes I'd love for us to all say this prayer together and commit our lives to him would you repeat these words after me God today I give you my life from this day forward I will follow you from this day forward you will be my king of kings and my lord of lords my life belongs to you I owe everything to you come into my life and save me take my broken life and make me whole forgive me of my sin fill me with your spirit and I will continue to follow you all of my days in Jesus name amen amen would you put your hands together and welcome everybody who said that prayer I'm going to invite Pastor Angela to join me on the stage. She's going to help us close the service and worship today. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that we're in 21 days of prayer that we get to start the new year together. Woo! Woo! Give him a hand. He did a good job. That's what you have is enough. Come on, somebody. What you have is enough. I'm I'm, y'all going to hear Y'all be sick of me this week. Y'all just be sick. Sick of me. I just, before we... Uh, go into our time of giving. I wanted to give you a minute to fill out that Connect card. If it's your first time at Relate, we would love to connect with you today. That Connect card goes straight to me. I'm going to text you this week, see how we can pray for you, how we can get to know you. And if you have a prayer request, make sure you fill it out because we're taking those to the Wednesday night prayer meetings. We are praying over them and we are already seeing breakthrough in the family. Don't let your blessing get by because you won't fill out a piece of paper. So I'm going to give you a minute. You can fill out your offering. There's ways to give behind me. They're going to pass the bucket.